I'm Gab, he's Jules. Blue skies over West London. Blue are still over the blue half of Manchester City and over the blue and black half of Milan. We'll, we'll be getting there because we have our Champions League finalists, Jules. We do. Inter against Manchester City, June the 10th in Istanbul. We'll be there. Absolutely. Inter's second final in the last uh, 15 years and uh, Manchester City's second fi- final in their entire history. Ah, in the oh, last God. three years. In the last three years. Second final in three years for City. In their entire history. Yeah, but okay, in three no, no, years too. I, 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 just let me get that trolling out of the way because we know 99% chance Manchester City are favorites. Some might say even more. Um, Jules, let's start with Manchester City and Real Madrid because that was an absolute beatdown. And mm. when the first 20 minutes went by, I said, okay, well, this is a little bit like the first leg at the Bernabeu, right? Where Real Madrid get hammered in terms of possession, chances, movement. And then they take the sting out of it and they ease into the game. Yeah. And you have, you know, a more even game. But it didn't happen. No, not this time because I think City were too relentless, too good. Uh, from the first minute, you could feel, even within the stadium, that the nerves had disappeared because he felt from the, from the get-go, really, that City meant business so much that there was no way this Real Madrid side could cope with all the intensity, all the press, all the counter-press. But yet, to see, a, to see a first half like this, which for me is the best first half that the ACT team under Pep has ever played, one of the greatest first half that you have seen in a very long time, to restrict Real Madrid, this Madrid side with Vinicius and Rodrigo and Modric and Cruz and Benzema, to a 0.01 XG in the first 45 minutes of the Champions League semi-final second leg, it's just mind-blowing. And credit to, to City, to Guardiola, the way they approached the game, the way they, they started the game. Because by being so relentless and never let really even just an inch to Real Madrid for Vinicius' acceleration or for a one-two somewhere or for a long ball, I don't know, anything. There was just yeah. nothing that Real Madrid could do. I, I think there's going to be a lot of focus on, on the press and the chances created in that first half. But what was entirely lacking in that first half from Real Madrid was the outball to Vinicius. And I think you have to give a ton of credit. Because when you're under pressure, let's face it, right? Not hard. Boot the ball long. At least get some relief, yeah. right? You've got this guy who's super fast. And yet, and no, it's not just about Kyle Walker. The positioning, the way that when they lost the ball, they were in their faces immediately. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't even get the ball out into space. That's, I, I think, that's a slightly underreported uh, piece in this, right? Everybody's like, Walker, Vinicius. No, no, no. It's, it's a collective defending yes, that right. happens further up the pitch yeah. and the forwards getting back into their faces. You mentioned the 0.01 uh, XG. Which is the cruise shot on the... Exactly. The That's what it was. At 1-0, um, the, the cruise rattles a crossbar. And immediately, and it was funny because a friend of mine uh, texted me and says, oh, look, Real Madrid, Real Madrid getting back into this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's 2-0. They're being battered. And you realize because he had put, he had paused the game. <laughs> he missed what happened afterwards. But um, I do wonder, though, psychologically, and we'll never know, if that, if... If Ederson hadn't gotten his hand to it, if it had been a little bit slow, a little bit lower down, might that have changed? It's one of those unanswerables. But the point is, it didn't. I don't know. Yeah. And in terms of performance, I, I'm with you. It was, it was absolutely, absolutely devastating. Uh, and I want to, and we have to, I think we have to do this, but is there anything 
Real Madrid could have done differently or on the day or is was City just were City just too no, good? No, I think City were too good to start with. However, and you know the viewers, the listeners know how much we love Carlo Ancelotti and it's as you always say Hindsight is twenty twenty, or whatever the, the expression. Yeah, let's be clear on this. When but we criticize managers, it doesn't mean we don't like them, right? So but, if you're going to be critical, if you're going to say things you could have done differently, it's not because we don't like them and we don't rate him and he's not a great no. manager. It's just simply, he's probably asking True. himself these same questions today. However, the Militao Rudiger call, I think they could have played with 11 Rudigers, they would have lost anyway. But City were yeah. too good. Whether it's, it's, it's Militao, stupid Rudiger, Beckenbauer, yeah. Maldini, anyway. Yeah. However, I did think that as brave as it was to play Rodrigo, Vinicius, Karim up front and a midfield of 36 or 37-year-old Modric, Cruz and Valverde was very, very naive. That's why I thought when I saw the team, I didn't expect any changes. I, I, there were rumors I, in Madrid saying that, oh, Valverde could play. They could put Camavinga in midfield, Alaba left back. Yeah. What he did I, basically in the second half. I don't like the word naive because it's not naive. It's a choice you make. It's not like, oh, look, I don't think they're going to be. Okay, what's what's the the logic behind it then? I think the logic behind them was they don't, it's not what they're expecting. And putting more of those more attacking players is we're not going to be bossed by the possession. But they were. Because they they were. Absolutely didn't work. Absolutely they were. All right, we're doing our second-guessing Monday morning quarterbacking. I think we both agree that when City plays play like this, we're talking about, giving Real Madrid a better percentage because ultimately I think they were let down by individuals who who did not have great, who did not have good games because yeah. Benzema hasn't been in good form no. for a while uh, Modric hasn't been in good form for a while and so on so when we do this when we second guess we're talking about giving yourself maybe a slightly better chance of winning but it still would have been against you true so you had mentioned the approach and going for a much more aggressive lineup Chormeni on the bench. I, to me, if you play this lineup, you're either banking on your ability to, because you've got Rodrigo and Vinicius and Benzema there, you're either banking on your ability to engage in transition where you send so many guys on the transition and they're so good and City can't react in time, even with their tactical foul, or you're banking on keeping possession, right? And then playing more in the City half, which are two very, very difficult things to do. Yeah, I mean, and for me, it goes beyond that. Is how how did they ever think that they would get the ball to Benzema, Vinicius, or Rodrigo? Because it was pretty obvious that with the lineup, and in a way, not going for the extra midfielder. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, that's, so that's having, what we're talking about. So City were always going to press in the four four two. So you'd have Haaland and De Bruyne together up front in the two, and then you would have Grealish, Bernardo. Gundogan, Rodri, and then behind that, the back four. So already, in those four midfielders' spot, you would have three Real Madrid players in Cruz, Modric, and Valverde against those four from City. Because you've got nobody from that back four of Real Madrid being able to step up somewhere to find, to find a bit of space. So the ball would never go to Rodrigo. And that's why I don't understand. I know it's easy now to say. But still, you see the line of Okay, interesting. Last season, when they did so well against... City in, in, what, in, in what was quite a similar game, if you remember, in the first leg, of course, it was at the time, right. at the Etihad, he, he put Valverde on the right-hand side. It was so, more of a 4-4-2, and Rodrigo came on late, and yes, was influential. Yeah. No, no, of course. So I, I, I'm guessing the thinking, so you, what you're suggesting is that if Chouameni's in there instead of Rodrigo, then effectively you've got a four 
in the middle of the park. Yeah, or Plus, Kamavinga if you want. Alaba potentially stepping into midfield. Yeah, or, or Kamavinga on, on the left, Alaba left back, Rudiger in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Whatever combination you want to do, you want to do, you might have been able to play through that press more effectively. Completely. That's what you're saying. Completely. I, I think, again, what he tried to do, which he was completely unable to do, and I think, again, this is being let down by individuals, and it's also being let down by City being so good, is... I think the thinking is, if I have Rodrigo up there, Stones isn't in midfield because you need to have... If, if I have that, that front three, they can't have Stones stepping in to press because you need to have a four on three. They're not going to go one for one with my guys, right? So the scenario you said with the four, with Stones and Rodri pressing centrally, Stones isn't there because Stones has to be in the back four. I, I think that was his thinking. And if he's not in the back four... No, because it's a 4-4-2 press, so Stones was never going to be in midfield to press. Stones goes in midfield when City have the ball. When they don't have the ball, he goes in the back four. No, 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 but you're talking about when they the win the ball. Rodri. But I'm talking about the counter-press. I'm talking about yeah, yeah. when they win the ball back, right? If Stones is in the middle of the park, yeah. and I've got my front three, then I've got one-on-ones. Yeah, which right? is what they did against Bayern, which is what they did which again. Is what, which is what he clearly tried to do on this occasion. Yeah, uh, although, I, I don't, again, if the ball never gets to Rodrigo, I mean, Rodrigo was... Vinicius, yeah. you could always say Walker was on him, okay, with the help of Bernardo and Stones. Rodrigo was never in the game because Real Madrid was never in the game either. So, you mentioned Bernardo there. I was struck by the fact he talked about how he felt his first leg was, mm. was poor. Um, I didn't think it was that poor. Um, but he was obviously exceptional last night. Esteban Cambiaso had a great line, uh, speaking on Sky Italia, about Bernardo Silva, where he compared Bernardo Silva to Messi. In, in one specific thing before people... Look, Cambiaso is Argentine, right? Yeah, so he's allowed yeah, to compare yeah, people yeah, to Messi, yeah, right? for sure. But he said, what he, the, the Messi side of it is, Cambiaso, Bernardo Silva, when City are in possession, he's not one of those guys who's always running to get open, right? Mm. All he does from a standstill position often, or just walking, He's angling his body continuously, and he's always looking, and yeah. he's scanning. And that's how they find him for the, was it the first goal? Yeah, part? yeah. Um, he has this incredible ability to just one or two steps to get into a pocket without running, um, which he said was derived, which is, is what Messi does late in his career. Yeah, right? yeah. Messi doesn't run to get open, right? Um, I thought that was really interesting. I, I, I thought... Bernardo Silva, for all his other skills, whatever, above all, he has a really, really big football brain. Uh, the football IQ is out of this world, really. I don't think there are many players in Europe who are as intelligent as he is, and I think he's a, he must be a pleasure to, to coach. Maybe he doesn't score enough, although he did, obviously, yesterday. But, but apart from that, everything else he does so, so well, and he just he's just a sponge. You can tell him anything, and he will do it tactically, the efforts for the team, playing for the team, fighting for the team, all of that is done. And Kamavinga was always going to have more problems against a Riyad Mahrez, who is a more um, natural winger, let's say. More dynamic, too. Yeah, and more, drib more of a yeah. dribbler, really. But I thought he struggled so much against Bernardo on Wednesday. He got taken inside. inside. I mean, Bernardo coming inside a lot, all the time. And what Ramadri didn't pick up at all, which, again, I'm very surprised, and I think the change of formation would have helped, is all those runs into half spaces. And especially on the Bernardo side, that the Bernardo, his goal, the first one, comes like that. But so many times, Stones, the Brun, were running in that right half space. And 
and Ramage just didn't know how to do it. was a missing Shuamani, that's what you're saying. No, no, no. I'm just saying that had they had a fourth midfielder... Shuamani or Kamavinga. Yeah, I think that would have been defended. And that's what Inter is going to, are going to do really well in the final. That there won't be any space into the half spaces for City. Well, they're going to have five midfielders. Exactly. Well, Some of them really old five, ones. Yeah, and they will have, you know, the back, the back three and five or the back five and three. Uh, I, we have to talk about uh, the Courtois-Holland battle, I thought was Man, fantastic. I mean, yeah. Courtois... This game didn't finish 6 or 7 nil. It's because of Thibaut yeah. Courtois. Um, the second save, again, out of this world. It's not, And it's not just reflex save. It's everything. It's the positioning, to put yourself in the position to make that, that reflex save, the strong arm, yeah. and then the reflexes, which you can say are natural gifts or whatever. The other two saves that he made, we were talking about this before, those are kind of on Holland. Those are more Holland Definitely. misses, in your opinion. As great as Courtois is. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the second one really is, is the one. The first one, the header from Haaland is on him, really, from it, close range. It looks too, and maybe this is an optical illusion, but Haaland's so tall, and we, we've, heard, we've talked about before how, you know, the area where Haaland can become devastating is his heading ability. He's, yeah. he's scratched the surface so far. But it looks to me that, like, a lot of times, he's a great leaper of the ball. Yeah, yeah. But... He it looks weird when he connects. Sometimes he's actually like leaping in the air and then kind of putting his head down to meet it, because yeah, maybe it's these are all things thing. that maybe will come with time. Yeah, maybe it's a timing thing. Um, and on the final one, you pointed out, That's it's not a good touch. touch. Yeah. It's not a good touch. It's a bad touch. And I mean, for for him to end up on his wrong foot, I mean, I know this is still relative that his right foot, <laughs> yeah. the right foot is still weaker than the left. And then he stays, he almost stays between his legs, and then it's still a good save. Courtois comes out very, very, very quickly, and the ball loop, kind of loops in on the bar or just over the bar. I, ex- I just expected him to score, and I think he, seeing his reaction, I was, I was quite higher, but seeing the reaction on that third one, especially, he got really, really frustrated. And I saw Alfie, Alfie Hallen before the game, who was very positive and saying like he was clearly not there in the first leg, and Hallen was disappointing, and they were, he. He, he thought he was going to have a good game and he had a good game because you still create chances for yourself which is the most important I guess but he would be very frustrated with no goals in well, a game like it's that. comforting to know he still has yeah, room yeah, for cool. improvement yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. you know yeah, yeah, as well completely I talk about these, these two managers and kind of like their, their legacies where they are obviously in Carlos' case um, he's a year left on his contract he's always very coy about what the president tells him and so on there is this link with Brazil. Uh, we've talked about this at length. Mm. We're purely speculating here because we just don't know. But do we take it? If you had to put percentage chance on it about what Florentino is going to do, will Florentino say, you know what, this is a good chance, it's a good time to hit the reset button and say, thank you for your service, Carlo. Yeah. Move on. I don't think Carlo would mind that no, too much. I agree. I maybe even go further and say, thank you for your service, Luca. Thank you for your service, Tony. Thank you for your service, Kareem. We are so, going to yeah. go through a transition season now. Should he do that? I think he might do it for Carlo, not for the players. I think he's pretty nailed on that all three are going to stay for one more year. With Carlo, this is a humiliation. I think, I think as, as much as we like Carlo and Real Madrid and Benzema, and all, this is, this is, they've been humiliated. And this is going to hurt Florentino. Butrag, I think in Spain they make a lot of what Butragueño said after the game when the question was, is he going to stay? And he didn't want to answer the question, is Carlo Ancelotti going to stay next season? 
Uh, maybe they make too much out of it and for no I reason. I think Butragueño didn't answer it because Butragueño doesn't know because Butragueño is not the maybe, one Maybe, but Butragueño could have been very political like he knows yeah. how to do and so of course he's got, he left yeah, on his yeah. contract we love Carlo Bra. I don't know. He could have said anything but right. he didn't say anything. This is, I, I, I just don't know a club like this if you can, being all Carlo that he is and having won everything that he has, it's not a good season if you just won, if you just win Copa, Copa del Rey. And being humiliated like that, I just don't know if they can, if, if you can take it and if you can kind of cope with it. And the, the lack of potential replacement might be why he stays. I don't know. Wait, but do you actually be... sign with Chelsea yet, or do we? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> That's a very good question. Can you imagine? Uh, uh, hang it? on. <laughs> I just I don't know. I think it's it's a huge, huge, huge defeat. And I told you before, if they finish third, you said it doesn't matter if they finish second or third. If you get humiliated like that and then finish behind Atletico Madrid in a season where you've only won, I, I mean, not only because you won the club. The behind Cup, doesn't matter. Behind Atletico Madrid does not matter. The, what matters know. is the number of points behind Barcelona. That matters. Which is also the behind Atletico way, Madrid eh? when you're tanking the end of the season, is, is, I don't think is relevant. So you think he's um, going to stay? What's your percentage? Or is I don't know. I, right? I, I, I think it's more likely that he leaves. And I think it's right that he leaves. And not because he's... He, not because it's punishment for getting destroyed in this game or whatever. It's not like if they lost 2-1 and played well, it would have been any better. It's just, just, I think you need to reset. You need to reset. You need to rebuild. Carlos not going to be part of it at this age. I don't yeah, think he yeah. wants to be not part for of the it long, yeah. uh, at this age. And that's fine. And But then you have to, you have to reset. You have to do the transition. I don't know if... Keeping Kroos and Modric and Benzema around. I mean, obviously, some of these guys have contracts or whatever. But I don't know what degree that's going to help. But you know, you need to move on from what's been yeah, a, a I, phenomenal I team, and you, I think you need to do it with a new manager. What surprises me a little bit is I don't know to what degree Florentino's actually thought about it because there's been no rumors, no links. Yeah, I mean, no, that's why, you know, yeah. maybe that's why Nagelsmann turned down Chelsea. <laughs> maybe that's why Pochettino hasn't signed yet. You know, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I find it, maybe that's why Bukayo Saka hasn't signed yet. Oh, right? Everything's agreed. Has he signed? No, well, you know, who knows? Look, I, I'm, I'm joking, of course. On Pep, I'm just going to leave this. I, with Pep, it's really funny because there is a portion of public opinion that always loves to point out, they always love to point out the overthinking, which I'm not going to get into because I think I get into that enough. Uh, <laughs> but they point out that he has never won the Champions League without Lionel Messi. Yeah. And again, my analytical mind says, well, it's irrelevant, situations, blah, blah, blah. Most of the time that they've been knocked out, they were the better team over since he's been the Manchester City manager. I mean, he's been unlucky in the Champions League. Right? Uh, not against Monaco. Some of it might have been in the first season, yes, what, five years ago. But some no, of it might know, have been down yeah, to him, some, but generally yeah, yeah, yeah. some of the other ones. Yeah, but not against Liverpool. But then the other three, I give you that. Um, but what strikes me about this is, you know, it's kind of like, does Messi need to win the World Cup to be the GOAT? Uh, and my answer is no, he does not. Um, but I think to many, if he wins a World Cup, or if he wins a Champions League without Messi, it does matter. I think Does it yeah, matter to you? I think he becomes the greatest if he wins the treble. I mean if he wins the treble, I think that cement the legacy. The issue I have, Gab, is I don't know, is Ansi Flick a better manager than Pep because he won the treble with Bayern Munich in twenty twenty? I don't think so. So, you know, the context is, of course, Pep hasn't won the Champions League since 2011, which for someone like him, having had 
a team every single season since 2011 to go and win it. Bayern City. Except the year that he was hanging out in the Upper West Side and yeah, not true. managing. Yeah. On the sabbatical, he couldn't have won it. Yeah. But so having having been yeah. the manager of teams who, sh- who should, who could, who were favorite to go and win it. He's reached one final, now two finals. Now two finals. So what, two finals in 10 years yeah. with teams that should be, yeah. No. Yeah, so you could look at that and say, okay, that's underperforming in a way, maybe. But like you're right, some, and I think people underestimate how difficult it is to win the Champions League overall anyway. But he's still one of the greatest, even if he doesn't win it this season, if he never wins it again. There's no question. But but I give you that, if he wins the treble, for me, he becomes the greatest. I want to say one last thing. Uh, I tweeted out something, it's a beatdown, and then I got all these people coming back and like uh, writing back about sort of all of the charges against Manchester City and the financial fair play and the... And the Abu Dhabi and the murky government and, you know, the nasty people named Simon who work at the club. I, all of that is true. Sometimes more than one thing can be true at once. The reality is Manchester City have tremendous resources. They, 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 well, they did breach financial fair play. They were found guilty of that. And yeah. Everybody knows yeah, yeah, what's yeah, happened, yeah. right? Everybody knows that he has an incredible group of players yeah. that were made possible with resources, right? But my question would be, can we not divorce that, at least for the time being? Can we not treat these two issues separately as two separate things? Yeah. Because the reality is Bayern didn't violate financial fair play, but Bayern also, when he was at Bayern, he also had tremendous players. And he had tremendous players because Bayern have a dominant position that they built up over 100 years of yeah. history and yeah. whatever. And the same thing goes when he was at Barcelona. Big clubs have dominant positions, right? Yeah. Even more so. This is a polarized game. It's not a level playing field. That's why it bugs me so much. People are like, oh, it's about victory. Show us your trophies. We won this. We won that. And it's not. It's about achievement, yeah. right? So from a sporting perspective, whether you do it at Man City, whether you do it at Real Madrid, whether you do it at Bayern, it's all the same. It is yeah. all the same. You have more resources than 98% of the teams you're going to play. Whether Man City broke rules, that's something the Premier League will, will determine. We know they've breached rules in the past. We know they've disputed them. We know they've had a two-year ban that's been overturned for different yeah. reasons, whatever. All of that is true, and that's on Man City, and that is on their owners, and this is how they run the club. It doesn't impact the work yeah. that Pep and his players do on the pitch. I agree. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jules, you talked about Manchester City possibly doing the treble this year. The other finalist has done the treble under Jose Mourinho. Um, That was back in 2010. I don't think they ever expected to be back there. Um, Certainly not at the start of the season. Um, But I want to... And they could do a treble of sorts as well, right? Italian Super Cup and uh, Coppa Italia. I think over the two legs, it was a derby. We expect derbies to be tight and tense and so on. They won the first like 2-0. We were there on Tuesday night at the San Siro. They won 1-0. I thought this was a completely one-sided game. Um, We can start by criticizing Milan if you want, or we can praise Inter. But can we first say a word about 
the San Siro on the night? Ah, uh, it was as you know. I, I'm biased. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. and you've been you there many times. But I, the last time I was at San Siro was 2006 for a Italy France that was dreadful and nearly draw, and he felt the same felt big there. What I saw on Tuesday is the best atmosphere I've ever seen at a football match. You've and ever I've, seen at a football match? Never. And I've, I haven't been to. You haven't been to the uh, old Boca room. River. Yeah. I haven't been to a, to an old from Derby. So there's a lot. I'm not saying that this is the right. best for that. It beats everything. I'm just saying from the one I've seen and I've seen many many games. But yeah, I, I mean I, the the floor shook under my feet many times in this game, including on the Lautaro Martinez goal, of course. I thought. The Milan fans played their part, of course. I thought Inter fans were incredible all around the stadium. They can't move, Gary. Do something. I don't care what they want to do. Refurbish this one. Modernize it. I don't care. But they cannot leave that stadium. It's, so, it's a perfect stadium. Yeah, look, I mean, I said I'm biased. I think it's just so distinctive, so unique. Um, I realize they can't monetize it the way they want to. I realize, you know... People say, well, but it's not like, you know, it's not like that Tottenham Stadium doesn't have all the modern conveniences and whatever else. And I get that. I kind of feel a lot of the new stadiums all kind of look the same. Yeah, and they're yeah. all very user-friendly and kind of soulless. I think fans make the stadium. Uh, and I think that just shows you what these two sets of fan bases, what what, what they can do. Mm, um, and as somebody from Milan, I'm very proud of what they did yeah, over the two should, legs. You should be. Um, Let's start actually with Milan here because I don't know what Pioli could have done. Oh, I know what he could have done differently. I know what he tried to do. Clearly, he assumed that Inter were going to sit back and hit on the break, which is why he played Junior Messias uh, instead of Salamakers, figuring Salamakers isn't going to have space to run into, Mm -hmm. so he's not not going to use his speed. He played Tonali, tried to play him further up the park, leaving Kunic as the only midfielder. Um, It didn't work. No, and I know if Brian Diaz scores that huge chance that he has early on. That was a minutes, sliding doors moment. That could have changed, although I, I still think, and we disagree, I think that Inter were too good anyway. Uh, they were too good, especially with a two-goal advantage from the first leg. Well, you know what? Obviously, you're talking about a goal that changes history, right? Then Inter, the bad old Inter comes back. This is a more grown-up uh, Inter maybe, or whatever, and they but... freak out. Equally, that save is the only save that Andre Onana had yeah. to make in the entire game. Yeah. I mean, Inter took, I think, 15 shots on goal, yeah. uh, four on target. Milan took five shots on goal. That one was the only yeah. shot on target. Then the one is the Rafael Leao who, who just, you know, it was just went wide a little bit. I I just thought purely took a very long time to try to do something when it was still nil-nil. And Lautaro's goal comes in the 74th minute. So there was plenty of time after an hour, for example, to say, listen, we out now. We out. We lost. We 2 nil on aggregate. We out. Let's do something. And I know the options on the bench were not great. Because it's Origi and it's Salemakers and it's... De Ketelaer. De Ketelaer, exactly. But at least try something. And then he tried when, when they were one goal down, which I, I think he's been, in a way, outplayed by Inzaghi over the two legs. And, and I, I just... I was disappointed yeah. by that. But I just think the best team won, the best squad won. This Milan team did really well to reach that far, but they're not good enough to no. go further anyway. I mean, after the game, and I love the honesty, but Xiao saying afterwards, like... Well, it's the first time ever in the Champions League final. I found it, you know, because he started Chao instead of Simon yeah, Kerr. Yeah. Uh, and, or he could have started Kalulu too, I guess. And he says, ah, oh, well, you know, it's, it's really hard at this level. So many nerves. I appreciate you being honest, dude. But, like, again, hindsight 2020, you know, this ahead of time. Maybe it's not the right choice. But, know. you know, I, I think it's a bit swings and roundabouts. I think with Inter, 
uh, what I there's a lot lot to say, but one thing that's really impressed me is seeing skill players, number tens, and I'm thinking here specifically Mkhitaryan and Shalanoglu, yeah. saying, guys, you know, Zaki tells him, if you're going to play in this midfield, you got to run. You yeah. have to be a number eight. You have to be an all-around midfielder. And they go out and they do that because they want to be part of something successful. Yeah. Right? And so they, I, to me, that is a massive credit on Simone Inzaghi, a guy who's been mocked, who's been ridiculed for many times. And he gave us one of the greatest quotes ever. Do not mistake my politeness for stupidity. All right, Joe, we, we, we've talked before when talking about Inter, about Inzaghi's sort of program substitutions yeah. and so on. Um, we've talked about, you know, in the end, if you look at this back line, which didn't concede a goal, yeah. uh, the two legs against Milan. Okay, you have Bastoni, who I think is Amazing. probably one of the top five centre-backs in the world. Yeah. But then you have Acerbi, who's a 35-year-old cancer survivor, picked up on a free transfer, and he's just such a... So embodies kind of like the warrior type. There was that moment, remember, in the second half, where he got the ball back, maybe... He played brilliantly and on the front foot, which is rare for someone who's not that mobile, he's behind at that age. But he picked up the ball in the halfway line, and then because nobody from Milan was attacking him, he, he kept moving, <laughs> no. and he was you could see like, okay, what do I do now? What do I? And I think he ends up shooting, and he's blocked or something on the edge of the box. And amazing story, as you said, and someone who was obviously the fans were not happy when he arrived. No, no, and they're not so happy because around. he angered many Lazio fans. Yeah. I think really unfairly, incidentally, this idea that he was laughing when they lost the game and whatever. Um, I think he was really badly treated by the Lazio Ultras and by yeah. Lazio. Uh, and that was Inter's gain, I think, in the end. Matteo Darmian as well, who, you know, former Milan player, incidentally. Of course, yeah. 34 years old, not really a centre-back, no. more of a right-back at this stage, but, you know, adapting to that yeah. position. Doing what he needs to do. Andre Onana, who last year started six league games for Ajax, obviously had that suspension where he always, you know, maintained his innocence starting at the year number two. I mean, ultimately, these are the people at the back who are keeping you out because, let's face it, your wingbacks, Di Marco and Denzel Dumfries are both very attacking wingbacks who, even when they have to defend, as they had to do against Leao, are people who are kind of sacrificing themselves to do it. Same as Shalanoglu, same, same as Mkhitaryan. Yeah. And then you have Barella, who's obviously a live wire. Yes. Also a really, really, I think, an exceptional midfielder. Yeah, yeah, and create creativity. And but I want to ask about the strikers, though, because... Ah, it was... All right, Lautaro, after the World Cup he had, coming back, playing, he's been playing on a really, really high level. Incredible. He runs himself into the ground. Yeah, and there's again, there's a moment in the second half, I don't know if you could see on television, but where he goes and chases the ball on the left-hand side by the touchline and Inzaghi is standing in front of his his bench and he forces either a, a, a throw or he maybe gives a, a, the throw to Milan, but he's in their own last 30 yards and Inzaghi is clapping and applauding him for the effort. His back-to-back season with 25 goals at least. The finish is amazing because Mike Mignon was in great form as we saw he saves one in the first half where there was an offside from Barella but still you know there's the header uh, that Mignon saves in the first half as well that the reflex is incredible on the Lautaro header as well but then to squeeze the ball the way he did after the double one two with Lukaku is amazing and Lautaro is the X factor for me in that team the rest as you said are really quality players or players who work so well for the team and in that system Jeko is one of them but what I love the most about this team is that it's the only team really of the top, top teams in the big five leagues that play with two players up front. Everybody has yeah. a lone striker, whether it's 
you know, I don't know, Kylian, Haaland, Kane. Yeah, it's Giroud, Atletico Madrid, Leipzig. There aren't yeah, very no, many. There's not that yeah. many. And to see them like that, and to have Lukaku coming off the bench too, to bring what he's good at, I think he's amazing. I don't understand Jekyll at his age with his body type, how he seems to cover so much ground. I mean, I guess he takes big steps slowly yeah, and has legs, long legs, long legs, long telescopic legs. Yeah. But, but even the way you had Jekyll helping out on, on Teo, right? Yeah. Teo Hernandez, who had a really, really quiet game by his standards. We talk about Milan's left flanks. So okay, Lau was half fit. He was always over there helping Barella slow down Teo whenever he came inside. Um, yeah. And then you got the option of substitutions. It's interesting. On paper, you know, a lot of people, especially here in England, where, you know, can I say it's a bit of an island sometimes, saying like Inter have zero chance? You're not going to give them zero That's chance, not are true. you? No, I think what Chelsea did in 2021 could very much happen with Inter. It's another back five. It's a team that would be very hard to break down, like two holes Chelsea at the time. They played differently with the ball because you only had Havertz with Werner Mann behind him at the time for Chelsea. You will have the front two, or whether it's Lautaro and Jekyll, Lautaro and Lukaku for, me, for Inter in that game. However, you, I think this Inter team will cause problems to City. City might win the final, and I think they are favourite, rightly so. But Inter will cause them problems. It's not going to be a demolition like we saw on Wednesday night with Real Madrid. They will slow the game down. They will give no tempo to it, which City won't like. So I think, I think they can do a job, but City have to be the favourite. And I think City will win this final, but Inter will give them a good game, for sure. So the final, of course, uh, June 10th. In, uh, in Istanbul. We, we, we will be we there. We'll be there. We'll bring it to you. All right, Jules, enough Champions League. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. This was way back on Monday, but Liverpool beat Leicester City 3-0 to move within a point of Newcastle and Manchester United. Jules, seven wins on the yeah. bounce to Jurgen Klopp. What's going right? Um, a lot of things to start with I think Trent Alexander-Arnold playing in midfield and getting more and more comfortable in that position we mentioned it before and talk about the balance to find between when they have the ball when they don't where is Trent when they lose the ball who covers I think Konate has been magnificent in those seven wins I really do not that he's played all of them but he's been when he's played he's been great and I think he can be the guy kind of covering for Trent on the right hand side coming back centre back with Virgil all of that Mo Salah is in great form and you know when Mo Salah is in that kind of form it's good and Curtis Jones I mean the second goal especially moment of brilliance so well done to them Newcastle and Manchester United do have a game in hand with Newcastle kicking off in a few hours on Thursday night against Brighton Gab we love percentages so give me yours who's going to finish top four between Newcastle Liverpool and United okay so I looked at the schedule Liverpool have Villa at home and Southampton away Southampton already relegated obviously Villa at home is big for them to get the six points that they need um Newcastle have Brighton at home, which I don't think is straightforward at all. They have Leicester, who are fighting to avoid relegation, and they have Chelsea, who I have no, no idea. They're fighting to impress Pochettino. So I think they have a harder run-in. United have Bournemouth away. Bournemouth, I think, are safe at this stage. Yeah. Uh, they have Chelsea at home and uh, Fulham at home, which I think Fulham's, Fulham will be on the beach by then, we think. Yeah. So I'm going Manchester United, 85%. Ooh. Newcastle, 75%. Liverpool, okay. 40%. Okay, Ivan Tony has been hit with an eight-month ban after pleading guilty to 262 betting-related infractions. This is betting on football. Yeah. Jules, this is serious punishments. And again, difficult to compare sports. And in the U.S., you might get a lifetime ban for this. Here, it's eight months. Yeah, 
Um, I think it's a strong punishment for something for that for from a behavior from him that shouldn't have. I think he knew you, you could not as a professional player bet on matches. I would hope he knew that. No, I think he knew. Everybody knows. He still went ahead to an extent. I mean, 262 infraction is not just me and my mate, you know, at the pub on Sunday, we just put a bet on so-and-so winning the game 2-0. This is, this is, this is, this is bad. This is like an addiction almost. The issue I have in a way with the ban, I've got nothing against the long ban, I think he should get punished, he was punished, is that if you compare it with other bans before, especially the one against racism, or in cases of racism, the John Terry one, and they're very different and it's a different time, I know. And it's not 262. It's not 262. However, it still feels very, uh, what's the word I was looking for uh, in English? Unbalanced? Unbalanced or not a equitable? bit disproportionate. In, if you compare, yeah. maybe you sh- we should not compare them because no. they're different offenses. They are different offenses. If I want to be a little cynical about it, I might suggest that if Premier League players regularly racially abuse opponents, it's terrible and so on. But from a business perspective, yeah, doesn't it undermine the, majority, the integrity of the game? And if Premier League players regularly go and bet on football matches including ones they play in, then you have a serious problem for the whole league and it yeah. goes out the window. And it's this true, could just be true. about money. I mean, uh, I also think, I don't know why it took them so long to come to this conclusion of the eight months. Yeah. Um, I also wonder if maybe they said, like, let's wait till Brentford are, are safe and then give the eight-month penalty. So they could have easily done this like a month ago, yeah, maybe. maybe to mitigate this a little yeah. bit. Qatar Sheikh Yassim has reportedly made a final bid for Manchester United on the 11th hour. Gab, you love talking about this. It's only been six months since the club was put up for sale. I, I, I love this story because <laughs> this confirms what we already said, right? The deadline oh, doesn't mean anything. The no. deadline passed. And that was last week. So let me make another bid. Oh, it's my final, final bid. Is this your final offer? I, this, this is pretty ridiculous. I... We don't know how much of it is. Maybe it's more money. Maybe enough to persuade the Glazers. The Glazers don't have to sell. The Glazers can finance. We've been through all these scenarios. If you're the Glazers, you're just sitting there, and then you're going to have a little family meeting and decide, what do we want to do? I think one of the things that the Glazers are concerned about is the Premier League now are under the spotlight for new owners after what happened with Newcastle and so on. They could be asking a bazillion questions of Sheikh Jassim. Um, which could just leave this whole thing to be stretched out for a very, very long time. It's already yeah, been nearly six months yeah. since they put up the club for sale. And the other Glazers might be like, we just want our money, so go with the other guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. If the bids aren't that different. Julian Nagelsmann's agent, Volker Struth, says his client was Chelsea's top choice, yeah. but Nagelsmann turned them down because there's too much instability at the club, and he didn't like the processes at the club. Jules, well, this was reported before. We've commented on it, but yeah. now we actually have this guy coming out on the oh, record good. and saying it. Yeah, he did a podcast, I think, which I always find. Okay, great. Um, I mean, I think we love Poch, but we also knew that Nagelsmann was the number one choice. I think the relationship between Vivel and Nagelsmann, between even Todd Bowley and, and Volker Struth, was very important in why Nagelsmann was top of the top of the list. Instability not important enough for him to come. Yeah, clearly not. <laughs> no. uh, instability. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not lost for words. But what does they mean by instability? Because it's a new owner. That, okay, 
sacked the manager after six months or whatever. I it think was or nine maybe months. the word more is uncertainty in the sense that. But what's the uncertainty? So financial sustainability rules, the fact that you've committed 600 million, and so therefore you're going to be limited in terms of the spending and investment you can you can make going forward. The fact that you have to sell all these players, and maybe he's not sure that they can go ahead and do that. Well, so, uh, what? so he looked I think at the squad these, and said that that's not a good squad enough for me. Or this is a, this is a hell of a squad. Yeah, you're impressed with that. Yeah, you, you, you're big. Yeah, but if someone, if someone would make it work, no, someone would make it work. Do you know what I mean? I think Lampard was not. Yeah, but he's just like, do I want to make guy. it work if if I go to training and the forty guys show up and says, yeah, boss, look at me. Do I want to make it work if I, I don't know? I don't. Maybe it's like I said, maybe he's holding out for the Real Madrid. Yeah, game. maybe. Matteo Aleman is reportedly considering seeing out his contract at Barcelona now and working with likely incoming sporting director Deco as uh, Jordi Cruyff is leaving the club. We know that it's official. Gab, are you surprised from the U-turn? Because we thought he was joining Aston Villa or did he visit Birmingham and thought like, ah, picky blinders. It's not I, 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 I don't know. I don't think it's confirmed. Now these are reports saying that he's reconsidering his position. He does have a year left on his contract. Yeah. This whole thing... I, I don't have a problem with Deco being an agent. Deco's not just an agent. Deco has players at the club. Rafinha is Deco. Exactly. I mean, this seems like a walking, talking conflict of interest. The fact that Jordi Cruyff is leaving, I think, also tells you yeah. how he feels about which way this is going to go. Yeah. Um, I think Alemany showed that he was good at getting deals done. So if he stays, I think it's good news for Barcelona short term. Um, he only has a year left anyway. Uh, and I don't think necessarily moving to Villa is is his life's ambition. With all due respect yeah, yeah. to Villa, who of course won the European Cup back in 1982. Fullerene Balagon has decided to represent the United States rather than England or Ooh. Nigeria. Jules, does this move the needle? I think potentially it can, Gabi, because he's still young, 21. He's had an amazing season in Ligue 1, uh, 19 goals, two assists. It's not just the goals, it's all the maturity that he's, he's showing. But you need to transcript that into international level and World Cup and stuff. What I do think that the US team needs He's a prolific striker like he is. So on that level, he's good. So I hope I hope he moves the needle. Real Madrid beat Getafe last weekend in La Liga. But Gab, could that result really be overturned? Yeah, supposedly what well, obviously what happened was they were going to make a late substitution. Odriozola, who never plays, never. was going to come on for Asensio. Then, if you remember, Camavinga looked like he was injured. Yeah. And so they kind of stopped everything. And Asensio, um, Asensio came off. Uh, sorry, uh, Asensio stayed on the pitch. Camavinga came off. Uh the problem is, if the substitution's already gone in, you can't then go and change it. So, um, but Hetafe are third bottom right now. Yeah. Um, it's really tight. I, I, I would appeal too. If I was Ramadan, I'd say, oh, yes, sure, give us the 1 0 victory. Because, like I said, finishing second or third really does not matter at all. <laughs> Granit is reportedly negotiating personal terms with Bayer Leverkusen ahead. That's, that would be Chabi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen, you and me. He's staying. Ahead of a possible 50 million euro move this summer. Um, just, he has a year left on his contract. Mark Ogden and I have an Arsenal keep dump piece up where Ogden argues that he should stay and get a one year extension. Um, obviously, he's been linked with moves before. I guess he's ready to move on. One year yeah. is not going to cut it for him. Yeah, I think so. And I, as much as he's loved the season at Arsenal, um, I think maybe he wants a, you know, a new. A new Chapter in his career, going back to Germany, obviously, where he was before, before coming to Arsenal. It's a new contract too, uh, certainly maybe longer than what Arsenal could offer. He was very close to leaving before and Arteta convinced him to stay. You think Arsenal were just going to give him a one-year extension and that's it? I don't know. What, I, I don't know. He's, what, 32 now? I think he's 30, actually. 30? 
I thought he was a bit older than that. Um, I think he's very important, more for the leadership than really technically within that system. And I think he, he could be replaced in a way. I mean, it's hard to say because he's... Sign a left back and plays Inchenko in his position. You, you could, but the leadership is the thing that if he was to leave, I would think like, okay, Arsenal, with, he was so important for that. He was like a captain on the pitch, even if he was not really the, the club captain. That well, he was the club captain at one point. Was it, was it, was he was, and he wasn't, and then he was vice-captain <laughs> now this season. <laughs> but still, do you know what I mean? And I think, that's, I think that's the way I would look at it. But if he wants to leave, good luck I, to him, of course. My concern is, I think, looking at this conclusion we came as well, we're going to talk about this more, of course, throughout the summer, is... There's a lot of replacements that need to come in because I think you need to add another central midfielder because Georgie has another year because Partey dropped off, may have other issues as yeah, well. Yeah. Shaka, uh, you got Lokonga coming back, who I like. And then he's older, I think, only has a year left. Yeah, you. This is this is an area where they're going to have to. Yeah, work. of course, someone like I think has to be priority. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think they are focused on on that very much so. Five Premier League clubs, Southampton, Leeds, Leicester, Nottingham Forest and Burnley have said that they are ready to seek $300 million in compensation from the league gap for not enforcing its own rules. No, it says dollars there. I think it's actually pounds. Oh, it's pounds um, okay. I, I mean, yeah. So this has to do with the fact that the, uh, they're under, Everton are under uh, investigation uh, for uh, violating the Premier League's financial sustainability yep. rules, um, as are Manchester City, of course. Um, part of the problem is here is that, let's say you commit the infraction or the alleged infraction, then they need to go and get the nerds and the bean counters in to go and look at the numbers and stuff like that. All this takes a long time. So the punishment comes a long time after. And these guys are saying, well, we're damaged parties in this, right? Um, we're, we're the clubs that have, you know, Burnley relegated last season, these other clubs, Southampton relegated this season. We, we are the affected parties by this misbehavior if you then prove yes, that the misbehavior, and yeah, this is yeah. costing us real money now. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what happens because this could also foreshadow the same thing on a much bigger level involving Manchester City. If Manchester City are found guilty, yeah. um, and again, we don't know who they are, there's a whole process, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, but it is a three-person panel deciding this. All the clubs that didn't win the title, the managers who got sacked, the European money. This is going to be a much bigger number than 300 million. That's for sure. Chelsea are reportedly close to acquiring shares in Strasbourg. Maybe even Portimonense. Jules, the first steps in Todd Bowley's multi-club ownership vision. It is, indeed. We know that they looked at Lorient, for example, before Bournemouth went in. Um, I mean, Strasbourg is... A historical club in France, even if they just won one title uh, in 1979. With yeah. Arsene Wenger, right? With Arsene Wenger, yeah. <laughs> On the, with Arsene Wenger <laughs> actually playing. Uh, I think he might have... He wasn't coaching. I think he played a couple games that season. Yeah, I think or four games, maybe. Um, <laughs> they, they have one of the best fan base in France. Incredible. When they, were, they went down because they went bankrupt and they had to start from the bottom again and they had like 25,000 20, people in the fourth division. So... Well, you can see a bit in Germany or a bit in England, they have, they have that. So on that level, I think it's good. They've got a decent academy, good academy, especially in the last few years. They've produced some really interesting players. But this is just a place to park players and have an eye out for youngsters if it happens. You would think so, like what City are doing with the City Group, for example, or, and, and others are trying. Is there a lack of ambition from a Strasbourg point of view to be bought by a club like Chelsea and in a way be very dependent of them? I, I don't know, but I certainly find it 
uh, interesting. Not that Strasbourg have had a good season, they're still fighting against relegation. They should be okay, but he hasn't been great. In fact, this report suggests that this is going to impact the sale price, obviously. Um, if you ever go to Strasbourg, it's the site of the European Parliament, of it course. It is, right. It's right by Germany. Yeah. And, yeah, it's all, they're basically yeah. semi-Germanic. But also, um, there is a miniature version of the Statue of Liberty. Um, really? Apparently, it was the original I thought we were going to talk about Shukrut. What? I thought you were going to talk about shukrut, which is their like you know their very famous dish. Okay, wait. Like, if you're going to go there, go Colmar is right nearby. Yeah, yeah. it's a much nicer place. Oh, come on. Colmar is really nice. Come Have on. you been there? Oh, Colmar is like nice. Sweet Strasbourg. Come on. Sky Germany are reporting that Bayern are prepared to listen to offers for Sadio Mane. Gab, is that the right thing to do? What already after one year you kind of been him? If Sadio Mane wants to move on, um, yeah. sure, listen to offers. I don't think you're going to get very many offers for Sadio Mane unless he's desperate to move because he's on big. He's on a big salary and hasn't had a great season. But if somebody's looking for a quick fix, he can, I think he can definitely still yeah. contribute. Um, but. You know, I think it's the kind of thing, all right, if we get stupid stupid money offer that works and he wants to go, sure. Otherwise, you have to make it work with yeah. money. And I think Tuchel knows that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree too. Chelsea moved a step closer to winning the Women's Super League here in England with a 4-0 drubbing of West Ham. Jules, uh, with two games to go, they have a two-point lead over Manchester United and there are some big derbies coming up over the weekend. There is. Gab, you're right. I mean, it was huge win. No, that it was never... I think in doubt that Chelsea would not beat West Ham to go two points clear. Now with the same amount of games played, finally, finally. This is with this league. Like, I mean, I it's the same in the Premier League. I know, like, but the difference is that Premier League plays thirty-eight games. The women's. I don't just one thing. I don't understand about the women's Super League, right? I realize because they, they they play in the Champions League too and whatever. Yeah, it's only twenty-two games. Yes, if we spread the season out and. Find a way so that, you know, you don't have this thing where we've got, oh, we've got four games in No, hand. I know. Which, yeah, it's true. This, this is it's just disrespectful to the players. Yeah, it is a bit. It is a bit. But yeah, big game for Chelsea against Arsenal, for example, this weekend, which is huge. And but United say, have a derby of their own. They uh, play Manchester City. Exactly. We're also pretty good, City. right? City have done well this season. Certainly coming back into the conversation, let's put it that way. It's great. This could be where it's all decided, uh, obviously, because Chelsea can win it. This weekend, depending on the other other results too, and it's been great. And if Emma Hayes wins the double with this incredible team, they came short in the Champions League. We mentioned that we watched them against Barcelona. It would still be an, an incredible achievement, really. Juventus defensive maestro Leo Bonucci has announced that he will retire at the end of next season. So in the summer 2024, he will be 37. Then, Gab, your thought. I thought his contract expires. I don't know that you need to go and make an announcement. I know it was weird. Um, <laughs> Look, I, I think Juve need to move on. I mean, they need to transition. Obviously, he's still there. I think he can be... It's up to him whether he wants to be this coming season. The older guy who helps Gatti and whatever. Yeah. Other, some of the other young players develop, plays occasionally. A bit like Chiellini did at the very end. I think then he can be an asset. Um, I don't want to talk about the kind of player he was in the career. Yeah, I'll save that for when he actually Exactly, yeah, retire. it feels a bit weird. Zakaria Ab uh, Abuklav. Abuklav has been suspended by Toulouse. Mm. Jules, what's the story? Please Incredible tell me it's story. not related to the rainbow shirts. It's not, although it's, it's, not, it's not. But Toulouse has this uh, kind of ceremony because they won the French uh, FA Cup. And the, um, the, uh, the, how do you say in English? So she's not the mayor. She's, like, she's, she's the, the assistant to the mayor for sports. Is that what Yeah, she's like basically in France there's a setup where every... Uh, she, 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 she's kind of like the 
She's in the mayor's office and is yeah. responsible for sports That's it. and the That's it. Yeah, Madame Marie Baget, she's a, obviously a woman, as you can hear. And at some point, when the mayor was doing a speech, uh, and the players were in the room, and it was, it was a really big occasion. Some of the players were talking quite loud, in, in, including Abouklal, and she just told them to just lower their voice, let's put it that way, because the mayor was talking. And Abouklal responded by saying, like, you know, in my country, women don't talk like that to men. And he went on being he very said disrespectful, this. yeah, very disrespectful towards... See, you're not in your country, you're in France. It's just, there are it's certain just mores of... So he's been suspended now, they're going through an investigation, this, this leaked, I mean, the press, RMCA broke the story, and I'm glad that the, the club took that decision to sanction him and suspend him straight away, and not saying, let's, let's wait, let's do this, let's do that. I think he will go in the summer. They, they're clearly saying that there's no space for someone like him with that kind of attitude in their club. Damien Comoli and obviously Red Bird doing the right thing. I think you, you might find that a bit extreme. I, I don't care. This was really disrespectful. There's no, there's no room there for that. But this kind is of not thing. related to his stance because he was in the headlines recently. He was also for, didn't want to wear, didn't want to wear yeah, the rainbow to shirts the to support LGBTQ rights. Yeah, yeah. It's not a good week for Abouklal at all. The United Soccer League in the US has announced a new women's soccer league to being played in 2024 and challenged the NWSL. Gab, what's this about? So look, on the one hand, I'm glad there's investment and money in, in the women's game, uh, in a professional women's game anywhere in the world, because I think it's really important to broaden the base first and foremost. Yeah. Equally right now in the, NW, in the NWSL, um, there's three clubs that are currently up for sale, uh, including the uh, the rain yeah or well, rain yeah or, or rain they've been which you know John Texter after taking on taking on Leon I guess maybe he's not as much a fan of uh, no, yeah. women's football as Jean Michel Olas, uh, Olas yeah. was um, if it's going to be sustainable if it's going to offer outlets great if people just see this as like a money play and let me go and like you know make some money quickly or put some money in and then it's not going to be sustainable and stable then I'm not sure this is good. I think they need to have to think about how they model this. Isn't um, that counterproductive? Or what, like, how can you have two top leagues in the same country? I, I mean, I'll, I'll go further, you know, and you see this a little bit. This is a broader argument about MLS and stuff. Like, MLS is not successful or hasn't been successful thus far as a TV product nationally because you don't have... Uh, you don't have super clubs, right? Because everything is geared towards parity and things being equal. Where it's been super successful has been locally, where they get yeah, they yeah. get they get oh, big crowds and, and there's people yeah. who are into it, and it's a great match experience. Uh, some NWSL clubs are like that. Portland, I think, they've gotten in excess of twenty thousand uh, regularly. So clearly, that's something that works. You need to think about your model. You need to think about maybe expanding your footprint. Maybe yeah. more teams around the country. Maybe you have regional leagues to cut down on costs if you can't pay these women a decent wage because, you know, the, the league minimum in NWSL meant that many of these women had to go and get second jobs in the offseason. Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't need to call yourself a pro league. Maybe you call yourself something else. Maybe, you know, I think they need to think creatively. But I'm all for private entrepreneurship. But I'd like the U.S. Soccer Federation to step in and say, guys, let's think about how we can do this rationally yeah. in a way that makes sense. That's fair enough. It's going to be Luton Town against Coventry City in the Football League playoff final for a place in the Premier League. Jules, uh, I don't know much about the championship. <laughs> no, I don't I follow do. the championship. Uh, I know Luton were in the top flight many, many years ago. Long time ago. Pitch. They have a stadium which is surreal. I was actually there a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Surreal in a charming old way. Yeah, yeah, old school is, is yeah. the right uh, way of putting it. Coventry City, of course, a great history in the top club. That's true. They had this 
Finnish Claire woman Moore. who was in charge, massive turmoil of the fans yeah. don't like her. Uh, that's kind of all I know. And I know these two are not the big spending. They're not, especially compared to Middlesbrough and Sunderland, who were the other two teams in this playoff semi final. And I guess against the odds, you could say maybe Luton, Sunderland different because Luton finished uh, third in, in the league and Sunderland six. So for those who don't but, know, Luton is a small airport. No, town. I guess there's a town attached to it. Yeah, um, yeah. Just north of London. I mean, Coventry City. To me, strikes me as a big fan base. Yeah, it's yeah. not easy if you're Luton to be. I mean, they're punching above oh, their weight massively. And last season, they were already in the playoff. They they had an ima- amazing season last year. Obviously, lost their manager Nathan Jones, who went to Southampton, replaced him, and have done amazingly well in what is not the most sexy style of football. I give you that is in what is not the most sexy stadium either. Very old school, um, but. Great achievement to reach the final at Wembley to play against Coventry, which would be an even. Are game Coventry really. financially stable now? I think they, I, I think they are. I think they've been they've been really good last season as well. They've 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 quite they have quite kind of a a very interesting squad with a lot of quality, not big names or anything like that, but good solid talent. And I think it's going to be a great final for what is. I mean, I'm not sure who at the start of the season would have said that one of those two teams would have gone up as. Right. You could have said Burnley going back up, Sheffield United maybe. But, but one of those two is going to be an incredible story in itself. So well done to them. Major League Soccer confirmed that they will add a 30th franchise next season in San Diego. Gab, I think they paid $500 million for that franchise. Uh, this is why people keep saying, look, it's like a Ponzi scheme because that money gets... No, it's not. Like, <laughs> uh, look, I, don't be it's crazy. good. They expand the footprint and so on. Um, they bring... Like I said, going to an MLS game... Look, I, I'm not the kind of person who's sniffy about quality, right? This, this is an argument with people on social all the time. Oh, but there is so much more quality in the City Real Madrid game than the other 75. I'm like, who cares? You go yeah. to a game to watch good football. Yeah. There's intensity. People try to win. If there's good atmosphere, that's what you want. Yeah, that's yeah. why you watch the game. But just about quality, I'm just going to watch City. I'm going to watch City training and nothing else. Right? <laughs> uh, I mean, watch the World Cup, and there's a lot less quality at the World Cup than that there is. true. You know, it's some championship games. Um, um, so I, I think it's good. Uh, it's it's positive. In terms of the long-term growth of the league, of making a breakthrough in television, we'll see how it goes with, with, with Apple TV. I think it's good that the people of San Diego can watch professional yeah. football. And by the way, before somebody comes out and tells me, no, there was a USL team or whatever, I don't know if there was or there wasn't. I don't follow at that level. Maybe those guys are pros or not. But, you know, uh, well done. I mean, yeah. There's obviously an appetite for this. Yeah. Two hours before kickoff, UEFA's social media account tweeted out a graphic promoting the Champions League final in Istanbul Aww. between Inter and, wait for it, Real Madrid. Oh, Jules, given it's UEFA, can you imagine what the conspiracy theorists would have done if Real <laughs> had made the final? I don't know. I, I mean, someone is in trouble this morning, that's for sure. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if they deserve the sack, but they're in trouble. Uh, I don't know what happened. We see, we see, we see those blunders happen, like those those glitch. Glitches. I guess they have to prepare a marker. Yeah, and then, and then some, <laughs> sometimes either his leaks. Some someone thinks it's funny to uh, to prepare the graphic to 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 post the graphic early. I don't know. Um, but you know what's worse? I think it would have been worse if they had put City um, against Inter. I yeah. think the reaction in Madrid it, right so now. That's very true. Because the, that's like, the good thing about it is both Real Madrid and Manchester City don't like UEFA right now. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. feel that UEFA is constantly conspiring against them. Very so true. in this way, you're kind of an equal opportunity that's offender. That's very true. That's very true. 
Joe Felix has been linked with a move to Newcastle United. Gab, does this mean that Chelsea don't want him anymore? No, it probably means that George Mendes has been talking to Newcastle United this week. Uh, I, I don't know. I, for me, if I were Chelsea, uh, looking at the numbers that Atleti are going to want, looking at the how much it costs to be there, I would not make any effort to keep him. I would send him back, unless Pochettino tells me, like, I need Joao Felix, assuming Pochettino, of course, stays at Chelsea and doesn't end up at Real Madrid. Uh, yeah. I might have mentioned that before. Um... Would you not keep him? Would you, you know, would you not want if 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 Chelsea fans are listening? Do you think the fan base wants to keep what him? What position does he play? I think second striker is his best. Second striker. So then I expect Pochettino to play with the front too. Yeah. No, but it could be the Dele Alli of this Chelsea team, like Dele Alli was in the good Spurs team under Pochettino. Or maybe Mason Mount can be the Dele Alli of maybe, this team since I he's think. already there. And maybe Christopher Nkunku. I would Nkunku. prefer Mason Mount to be that. Or you prefer Mason Nkunku. Mount to Joao Felix. Would you prefer Nkunku? Who's... I would prefer Nkunku to but be... But he's not Paris born and bred. He's just Paris bred, right? Or is he also born there? Born there, of course. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. So I just think you've signed Nkunku. You're talking about second strikers attacking midfield position. That's right. You've true. signed Nkunku. You say you want to keep Mason Mount. Yeah. Why do you want to keep no, this? that's true. The other thing with him is, I'm sorry, he may have more ability than Nkunku and Mount, but again, we've kind of been waiting for him to be the difference. Yeah, player, yeah, that's and true. And he costs you so much freaking money. That's true, that's that true. I'd rather put my eggs in a different yeah. basket. And don't forget that Neymar is coming as well. So I'm not sure there's yeah, room okay, for yeah, Neymar, yes, Joe Felix, yes. and Kuka. <laughs> And Pulisic is going to stay. Ziyech is going to stay. You just need options. You need options there. You know. We haven't even mentioned Mudrik. And Nani Madueke. <laughs> you want me to keep going? David, Dr. Fofana, you can adapt. Yeah, Lukaku is going to come back too. Lukaku is coming back. Sure, you want Timo not? Werner to come back? Timo can come back. I mean, let's not forget, Harvey Vale is on loan somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure he can return too. <laughs> Erling Holland's agent, Rafaela Pimenta, was asked about the famous release clause in his contract and whether it even exists. She said, and I quote, it's a mystery. It reminds me of Treasure ah, Island. Ah, good, Rafaela. Is there a mystery? I, I don't remember Treasure I don't Island. I want to go look it up. I, I read it as a kid. I forgot all of it. Yeah. Um, no one knows, and I like it. Uh, obviously, it's in their interest. She teases us. She was also asked about one of those stories we talked about on the show about whether the clause was there, but it was removed because Pep signed a new deal, and she wouldn't comment on it. Uh, Jules, why is this? She's mystery? good. You know how much I love Rafaela, of course. She's good. Why clearing it up? You don't need to keep people thinking is that release clause? Is there not? Why is this truth? Why is not? Don't you don't have she doesn't have to come out and be transparent and say yeah this is this is the situation this is what happens this good look we're talking you, about do it do you believe the clause exists do you believe that I, I think the clause doesn't exist anymore I know you're very skeptical about it that a pep extension could lift the clause or make the clause disappear I wouldn't be surprised if there was a release clause there's no more release clause and I like the game that she's playing and I think he's in their interest, he's in her interest, in, in Haaland's interest. She doesn't need to come out and say to the whole world. Oh no, I, I, I agree because if there is a release clause then she can just tell other clubs and say, hey, if you want them, come and match the release clause and blah, blah, blah and give us this much money. I get that part. I would find it, if it ever did exist, and I, certainly some people reported that it did, I'd be very surprised that it's been removed. That's yeah. According to reports in Georgia, Napoli are angry at the appearance of Coca-Cola bottles with uh, Kravaskelia on them and have asked for them, so that's not Kravaskelia himself, right, the <laughs> Coca-Cola bottles, to be removed from circulation. What is going on? So what, they used his image in Georgia on Coca-Colas. Yeah, and Coca-Cola is also, by the way, a, they have a sponsorship deal with, with Napoli. So this whole thing 
seems to be being strange. It comes from the report on a Georgian website, which I'd never, I'd never heard of. <laughs> so I don't quite know if this is true or not. Right. Um, but I just love it. It's an excuse to talk about Kvaratskhelia. Of on course. There. Uh, it's an excuse for Napoli oh, to get the Kvaratskhelia out there a little more. We like it. It's an excuse to mention Coca-Cola. Yeah, Give them course. some more publicity. Yeah. Uh, I think this all ends up with everybody being <laughs> friends and working out in amicable uh, agreement. Yes, it's I'm a little sure. bit like, uh, I don't know all the story in uh, Aussie Rules Football, where they're going to get a new franchise in, in Tasmania. Yeah. In Tasmania, you have the Devils, right? Uh, the Tasmanian Devils. And they want to call it the Tasmanian Devils, right? Yeah. But of course, that's a Warner Brothers character. And of course. So this whole dispute, are they going to block it, blah, blah, blah. No, we just want the publicity about talking about yes. it. And then, of course, we let you use oh, it. Of course. Jules, that brings us to an end. But we got to come back on Monday. We have because to. The Premier League title could be decided could have this weekend. An English champion. How about that? Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Love yourself.